my goal, my job and goal is also to be a coach. You know, I, I, I mm. love teaching. You know, I, that's probably how I'm in those roles. Um, you know, I need to make sure that the people that we do decide to bring on it, we really invest in them. They're, mm. you know, they're an asset to the company to really ensure that we're developing them and, and getting the most out of them and that they're happy and putting the most in. Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. I'm here with Benjamin Larson. He's the CEO of Vertosa. And I think, uh, Ben, uh, you would want to have to correct me, but Vertosa, you're one of the leading uh, ingredients and supply partners to a lot of uh, companies, which, you know, a lot of brands which are out there, which may not even know that behind the scene it was you guys, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, not going to argue that label. <laughs> yeah, so appreciate, appreciate you, you know, contributing to the whole product development uh, part of the supply chain of our, especially the cannabis drinks industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure you guys do much more than that. So I'll have you introduce to our audience, please. Uh, just want to bring after that, once you're done, we want to talk more about, I personally want to know more about leadership and management and, yeah. you know, especially in the remote work, which we've been chatting about and how to drive performance, you know, in, in a small to medium uh, size companies, right? So okay. over to you, Ben. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. In short, we're an active ingredient manufacturer and and support partner for, for our infused product makers. And so uh, we really, you know, in the first few years of our business, cut our teeth on the beverage category and, and help build that up, uh, played an integral role with, you know, organizations like the Cannabis Beverage Association and, you know, just many of the brands that you see in the space. And uh, since then, uh, we've also branched out into other fast-acting formats. That's really where we believe the future is. And so fast-acting gummies, uh, lozenges, and, and just other infused products. And so the nice thing is, you know, for the beverage category, it gives uh, opportunities for extensions into other categories and, and, you know, having more SKUs on the shelves. And mm-hmm. anyone that's operating in Canada space, you know, starts to understand really quickly, like, how important that is as, as an operator in the space. Um, we launched the company about four years ago. We're just about mm-hmm. to actually uh, celebrate our fourth birthday just following the, the Cannabis Drinks Expo in, in San Francisco. So we're excited about that. Um, and, you know, over the past four years, we had two goals. One was, you know, just be a great supply chain partner. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, be a leading ingredient manufacturing space. That, that's great um, from a business perspective. But what we really set out to do was create the best culture that we could in cannabis and, and create a company that really emulated the kind of um, aura that some of the early tech companies really created. You know, it's like the, the type of company where, you know, team members are, are proud to wear their swag to conferences. And, you know, when, when someone else interacts with our team, they're trying to find a way to come work with us. And, you know, we're really proud of what we've built um, at Vertosa and, and, you know, proud to say that we do get a lot of inbound requests for people to come work with us. And nice. frankly, frankly, that's how we found some of our best employees. It's, it's not that we, we set a, you know, a wreck out and then went and found the best person for it. Sometimes we just meet the best people and then we find a way for the, to get them into our company. Fantastic. So let's, let's go on your role, right? CEO, uh, sort of uh, <laughs> what kind of team, uh, what are the, your direct reports, you know, because we want to start there and to understand the or- org structure that you have out there, you know, who, who reports to you and who's your sort of right and left and how have you yeah. made yourself comfortable, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, 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 we've been talking about this a lot lately, actually, as a team, because we're, as we approach our, our, you know, anniversary, we like to just reflect on how we're doing and, and how it is that we operate and what makes us different. And, um, you know, in a sense, I do have my direct reports and I'll talk about the org structure in general, but 
you know, I know everyone on my team and I have, you know, everyone on my team has direct access to me. And anytime I'm talking to them, it's as if they are my peer. And, you know, my goal as a leader is to make sure I'm surrounded by the smartest people uh, I possibly can. Hopefully ones that have far more skill sets than I do. Um, it's impossible for me to know everything. And so I want experts in, in every mm -hmm. other uh, category. As far as my direct reports and our, our general structure, you know, I we, we really break the company up into four categories. We have our back office, uh, which generally is made up of people operations or HR, um, quality, which we like to hold separate from all of our other departments, and then our kind of chief of staff org. And this is a lot of like cross-functional uh, project management. And really the whole um, objective of that team is to ensure that we are supporting uh, the company, that the employees are happy, that they have the tools that they need to succeed, and that they we're helping really have eyes on their professional development. So not just their effectiveness as an employee, but that they're achieving what they want to achieve in their career. And then what the back office supports is our kind of three main operating orgs. And so we have our uh, innovation org, which has you know R&D with ingredients, but then also the applications of those ingredients and in product development. And so that's all led uh, by Austin Stevenson, our chief innovation officer, and Dr. Harold Hung, our, our, our um, CSO, chief scientist. And, and you know, those, they, the two of them also happen to be my co-founders. Um, and so we also have our business development team, which has, you know, marketing strategy and sales. Um, that is led by one of our new hires, actually, uh, Karen Newkirk, and she is our EVP of business development. And then we have our operations team, which is really the engine that supports everything that we do in time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's actually a pretty complicated team, but it's all led up by our, our VP of operations, uh, Misha Yerlich. And what makes it challenging is that, yes, we have our headquarters facility that has, you know, all about uh, efficiency and capacity and serves both the hemp and the California cannabis side of the business. But we have our remote operations where we have partner facilities in about, I think, six other states and Canada at this point. Um, and then we have mobile offerings where we can access just about any legal market. Um, and it's just uh, a kind of complicated logistics, uh, you know, coordination to, to really um, serve all this as fluidly uh, with the utmost quality and, and make sure that people are getting the exact same ingredients in every legal market that they operate. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, so I, what I want to ask you is, you know, how are you staying focused on your time? Like if you had to audit, right? That okay, mm. you know, ultimately it's all about that. Like, are you spending time yeah. on high paying activities or low paying activities? You know, is your time, you know, are you out delegating properly and so on, right? Uh, I can imagine with cross-functional things like that, and especially this whole remote thing coming as well. And you want to, I personally speaking for me, uh, what's going on this this is a lot of time is going in team organization and uh, hiring and sort of pumping them up and you know all that kind of stuff so are you you know wh where are you t spending your time number one majorly you know and what personally you think have worked for you as high paying activities where you yourself think that i should spend more time there and these are some activities which i've identified and i use this process to sort of identify and then figure out a way to find someone or delegate this yeah, it's um, it's a complicated question, and my my answer to it is, is is complicated because it's something that I struggle with persistently, and I'm constantly trying to refine. And I maybe that's part of the job as a CEO is like to really understand where is your time most needed at this point in time. And you know, 
when you are growing and scaling a fast growing startup, you know, we've grown our business three X year over year and, and, and that doesn't come without pain. And so, you know, one time it might be really pressing on sales and, and helping the sales team nail key targets, building the relationships with the other CEOs, because, you know, in reality, it's not that big of a market. So it's pretty easy for us to be like, here are the, you know, 50 companies that we really want to work with and let's make sure we build relationships with them. Mm. Um, but, you know, if I'm spending a lot of time doing that, then I'm probably not neglecting, but like certainly not spending as much time on operations or staff development, um, both of which are, are very important. And so there have been these ebbs and flows where, all right, we ramp up the business and then operation operationally, we go through um, these transitions of scale, right? And so it's like, um, you know, sometimes you add people, sometimes you're adding equipment. But do you always feel uh, that you've always, you know, uh, you know, after like a month, you think like, oh my God, it's just all this firefighting, all this firefighting. <laughs> There's always, you know what I mean? Like, it's just every day, yeah. you know, uh, as a CEO and owner's job is really every day, small, small problem solving one at a time, one at a time. And then it comes to a point there, oh my God, I, I just want to focus on like relationships instead of all this small things yeah. you know i mean it's yeah. important things i agree but you know don't, don't does that suffocate you and how do you motivate yourself just to keep on like this is as you said rightly which is this is the part of the game this is what we signed up for right like what yeah. is the, you know so how do you convince yeah. yourself every day so um yeah in the beginning when the team was smaller it was just a lot of persistent firefighting an endless list of to-dos and what i trained myself over time you know i'm a better ceo to, i am I, I'm, I can confidently say I'm a better CEO today than I was when we first started the company, right? And so what I've really worked on over the last four years, especially, is prioritization of my time and, and what I'm going to accomplish every day. And so every morning, and, and now I do this with the assistance of a, of a chief of staff, is I sit down and I'm like, all right, what needs to get done today? Uh, what is going on that I just need to have visibility into? And then what... Can I get to if I have extra time or can wait till tomorrow? And what that allows me to do is really segment my time and, and prepare for the day and make sure that I'm accomplishing exactly what I need to accomplish for, for the sake of the company, right? What's going to create the most value? And sometimes it's hard, you know, um, <laughs> behind my Zoom window right here, actually, I, I have, you know, our P&L statements. I have a model that I'm updating, you know, from the, the past six months and, that's sometimes big, hairy work. And, and it's, it's something that for me personally is easy for me to kind of push off in order to do some of these other things that we've already talked about. Right. Um, so at the end of the day, it is kind of doing that, that task assignment for yourself. And then also making sure that you're persistently building your team, just create massive amounts of value. You know, culture is a huge, uh, has a huge importance to me. You know, like I said, uh, in the beginning, I, and I wanted to build the best culture for this company, but as a CEO, my time to be able to cultivate that um, really became constrained pretty early on. And so um, I think it was, I think we were about 10 people when I decided to hire someone to really focus on the culture of the company and to be a resource for everyone in the company. Someone that, you know, any of our employees could go and talk to and feel like they had someone, uh, you know, to listen to them. And that has been a huge game changer. So Lisa Raja, she's our EVP of, of people operations. You know, she has become such an integral part of building who we are. And because of her, you know, we haven't had much churn in our company. 
And we are nice. able to now hire and onboard great employees. And we have this, we have an incredibly complicated business. And so, you know, onboarding those employees are really important. We have this really great onboarding education system that we built. And it's all because of Lisa and, and her, you know, being able to protect her time to focus on this. And so it's like an extension of what I had originally intended, but bringing someone on that can do it even better so, than I so could let's go there. fully focus on. Let's go there on onboarding and retention, right? What kind of things mm -hmm. that uh, you guys use that has worked for you? Yeah, uh, we partnered with a great company called uh, Greenflower. Um, they're you know a media company and and education company in the space, um, and it's, they they helped us create a learning management system. And so oh, nice. each each vertical in our company has a separate track. Um, it runs them through. There's you know some common uh, you know company vision and background, you know origin story, all that. Um, but if you're on the sales team, you get into the sales funnel and the natural steps and the resources that are available to you. Um, you know, we've built, I'm an engineer by, in my heart. Right. And so, you know, we've just built system after system to really kind of create structure and process so that, you know, people don't have to think so hard about like what is next or where, where are various resources. And so, you know, our whole company is built on, you know, HubSpot which originally was birthed as a, as a CRM system, but really has become more robust. And so it's tied to our sales efforts, um, our operations tickets. And so, you know, from beginning to end, our clients are, are managed internally by, by the system. And so um, it's these various things that make it just really easy for us to get people into the company and get them familiar with the system so that we can focus on, you mm. know, helping them be more effective and, and helping them progress in, in their career. So, uh, you know, you, I think you, you say 3x growth every sort of year, which is mm -hmm. a fantastic, I mean, number to hit. Uh, I personally think that, you know, growth solves a lot of problems. You know, when you're growing, it's just a different energy in a company. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and on, on the flip side, you have to sort of put all this SOPs, trainings to make sure that, you know, they, they feel that there is a structure coming and it's just not like monkey business going on, right? Because right. they feel that someone smart is putting policies and structures and SOPs at the same time on one side you're stretching them with like task changes and title changes or whatever it is right mm -hmm. uh, to just keep on going so personally I want to ask you is let's say have you uh, seen I'm sure I already know the answer but it's so hard to go in a detailed you know uh, empathetic explanation of a process where you know you know it's going to take eat up your time uh, mm -hmm. versus just simply taking a shortcut uh, and saying yeah. just do this way it's simple my point my question is let's say this way that a lot of times sometimes as you grow you know you have to justify one person of your decision of why you think we should start something in new york let's say you know and mm -hmm. then you have to justify three more people because it's all remote here and there and then it wastes your time to explain one more important person you forgot to explain that why you thinking like this you know right. how do you roll out a decision in in your company you know you know yeah. how do you do that yeah, it's, it's a great point. Um, so we have a series of standing meetings that really allow us to kind of, A, gain consensus and then roll out decisions, right? And so, um, you know, we have our senior management team, which is basically our, our VPs and above. And we meet every other week and we talk about strategic initiatives, you know, things coming down the road, where who we want to be in six months to 12 months, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, every other off week, you know, we're meeting with all of our department heads. And so that's directors and above. And, and what that allows us to do is really focus on kind of some more of the tactical, um, you know, the tactical 
items that help the business keep moving along. Mm -hmm. And then there's always opportunity to kind of start uh, rolling down, you know, strategic initiatives that, that were decided on in the management meetings. And then if we need feedback and input from the directors, like that, that gives us an opportunity. To That's nice. So it's very much of a collaborative sort of already a collaborative approach on yeah. so their part I, of the decision anyway. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, if I, and I've, I've often, uh, you know, kind of define myself, my leadership style as uh, empathetic and, and kind of consensus building. Right. Got it. So I don't want anything to ever be a surprise. Everyone should always know. And so what we did in the very beginning is actually establish a rock solid brand foundation. Like what is our, you know, what is our purpose? You know, what mm -hmm. is our big, hairy, audacious goal to steal something from, from Jim Collins, right? Um, the BHAG, you know, what are our habits and our values? Even like what's our promise to our customer and, and what's, what's the persona that our company speaks with? Mm -hmm. And like, we spent a lot of time on this. Like every word in that brand foundation matters. It took us weeks. And then every year we spent, you know, several days just really reevaluating and making sure that we were on track. And once you have that established and everyone knows it, then it's actually really easy to make decisions as a business. Hmm. You know, um, one sure. of, you know, for instance, our, our first our entire first year of operations, our, our core value was trust and identifying trust as our one core value that mattered the most, whether it was internal communications, external relationships, um, it really helped us, you know, like quickly solve problems. Um, you know, in the in the nano emulsion space, so to so to speak, um, there's there's a lot of there were a lot of unknowns. Um, there were a lot of products out on the market that were kind of early and maybe not having consistent potency um, or, you know, anything. There's a there's a whole litany of issues. Mm -hmm. A lot of people were claiming clear and flavorless and. Um, maybe that was because there was no cannabinoids in it. Um, mm -hmm. Who knows? But what we decided from day one is that, hey, we know this technology pretty good. And if someone does indeed have something better than us, we think we're smart enough and we definitely know we work hard enough to catch up and learn. And mm -hmm. so anytime we figured something out, even if it was bad news regarding our ingredients, we put the data out there. We shared it with the customer that we might have been collaborating with and, and, and discovered it. And we never swept on anything under the rug, uh, mm. which we knew was kind of endemic in the space. Um, mm. You know, I, I think a year after we started, a lot of articles started coming out about, you know, products on the shelves that weren't really meeting the efficacy that, that, that they were advertising. We knew all that already because we had done, um, you know, the internal analysis of all these products. We didn't put the information out there because that wasn't our prerogative, you know, that wouldn't have built trust. Mm. Um, but solving the issues and being truthful about what we knew Mm. Um, it did. And so, you know, over time, that's what we really invested in. And any, even just the other day, it's like, you know, we, we had worked on a product and it didn't, wasn't as stable as we were expecting it would be. And someone asked, what do we do? I'm like, what do you think we do? It's like, you call the customer and tell them what happened immediately, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, th this is just like, this is how you, again, build efficiency, create mm -hmm. process. Um, how how are you aligning your culture? You know, how yeah. are you aligning your let's say team uh, for your mission again and again? Right. So do you do like once a month sort of a rewards and recognition or any any sort of meeting on Zoom? So <laughs> entire team is there or yeah. know, what are the things that you personally using on a weekly basis, monthly, just to you know get them going? You know. Yeah, I will acknowledge that my team, uh, much like my wife, often encourage me and tell me that I probably give more compliments and more awards. Um, 
but what we do what we do do is we meet every week as an entire team on zoom because you know okay. this virtual world that we found ourselves in uh we have all hands every week and we talk about you know the accomplishments the challenges uh we we always have like kind of a cultural education um opportunity um you know depending on you know what the what the various months are for dei or or, or what have you um and in those times you know, I do a little bit of talking, but really, I leave it up to the other leaders of our company to really identify. So they are just—they are all giving their uh, updates. Like, give me a specific yeah. on how that call looks like. Yeah. So, um, you know, our our sales team will will come in, and 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 the sales director will talk about the wins, like what's looking, what the pipeline is looking like, what we can expect to see in the rest of the month, and really call out like specific, you know, team members that really did an exceptional job for that mm. team. Right, and then we move to the operations team, the innovation team, the back office. So everyone has an opportunity to really like, you know, give kudos to share their wins and sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, usually I take the last, you know, five minutes of the hour to kind of like pop in, and you know, there might be something big on the mind as far as like what's globally happening in in the cannabis uh, in the cannabis world, or you know, just something higher level, or sometimes very specific that I saw throughout the past week that. That I really want to draw people's attention to. You know, it's it could be something as simple as you know we were uh, we were onboarding with a new software program recently, and we did so because one of our um, you know business development reps actually did an analysis of the software and did an ROI and basically put it into a nice report and sent it over to me. And it took two minutes to review and say yes. And mm. and I showed it to everyone. I'm like, look, I, I just want to give Andy a lot of kudos. This was unprompted. He he brought this to me and he got an immediate yes and allocation of budget for something. And mm. like, you know, it's it, the, the beauty of it, it gives rewards to him, but also encourages everyone else to like true kind of follow suit. And so if I can get everyone in the team doing an ROI analysis every time they want to spend, spend company resources, like I think the company will be in a pretty great place. Um, it really like kind of foster that entrepreneurial spirit. Got it. And how much do you, uh, time do you spend Ben on personally on people part, like hiring, let's say in the first, you know, recruiting, yeah. headhunting, like, you know, sometimes you just know that you want that person in your team or like more of you out there trying to look mm -hmm. for the talent, you know, uh, do you even spend time there? I do. I, I spend a lot of time there. Um, in fact, you know, I, I, I follow the old uh, Silicon Valley adage of, of hire slow and fire fast, right? And mm -hmm. this is really an effort to make sure that the people that we're adding to the team are really fit for the team. And, um, you know, for for kind of more entry level positions, we can move a little bit faster and, and gain yeah. consensus. I'm, I'm still in a mode of wanting to meet everyone that is going to be joining the team. And so, you know, we have 40 employees right now. Everyone that joins the team, I have the opportunity to meet. I often take them out for breakfast or lunch, like early on in, in their in their tenure, nice. um, but for the more senior positions, there's been multiple people where I've known them for, you know, one two years um, before really getting to a place of like, oh yeah, this you know, this makes sense now, right? And mm. that's an ongoing cultivation. Um, you know, a key role of a CEO, especially you know, as companies get larger, if you can chisel out that time to be a brand ambassador and be out there and just constantly um you know whether it's for sales or partnerships or key team members like that is like an important role of the ceo mm. um when it comes to you know recruiting and building the team 
I've heard numbers, you know, it's like, this should always be 30% of your job in some fashion, right? Good to know. And, and I, and I believe it, you know, it's, um, you know, the, the other aspect of it is like the, the, the post hiring, right? Like my goal, my job and goal is also to be a coach. You know, I, I, I mm. love teaching, you know, I, that's probably how I'm in this role is, um, you know, I need to make sure that the people that we do decide to bring on it, we really invest in them. They're, mm. you know, they're an asset to the company to really ensure that we're developing them and, and getting the most out of them and that they're happy and putting the most in. Right. Um, so it's this ongoing work. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm just really proud of what we've been able to do at the company to, to ensure that we're constantly aligning. Um, really, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, um, an exercise in just aligning incentives, right? Got it. A company has a certain incentive with a certain employee and that employee, employee has incentives with the company. And if we get those aligned, um, it can be a very symbiotic relationship. Maybe it doesn't have the same end goal or the same vision, but we can really maximize that time we do spend together. Sure, Ben. So let's wrap it up with one final question. You know, uh, sure. Just give me give me a one or two real case examples where you thought that it was a pure like self CEO execution, or maybe it's just you that sort of you felt good about it. You know, because you just had a problem and you solved it in in a good way. Yeah. Um, well, I'll use a, I'll use a real recent example because mm -hmm. we talked about it a lot today, and that's the structure of our, of our organization. Um, you know. Organizations change a lot over time, especially as they grow. People wear many hats, and then sometimes it's refining those hats. Sometimes it's completely changing. I mean, um, you have to often weigh, you know, someone's loyalty and effectiveness in the company to like the future tra trajectory, and you know, either find realignment or what have you. And um, not only with that, you have added layers of complexity with like tenure. You know, when True. you're a three three person company and you add a few people. Um, it's pretty easy to understand what the seniority is. You mm -hmm. fast forward four years, people develop at different rates. You know, what, what is the impact of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we just did is, is went through this reorganization process where we established that we were going to have these four key orgs, you know, the back office, mm -hmm. the innovation team, business development, and operation. Mm -hmm. Well, innovation and R&D used to be separate. Expansion used to be its own org, and because we were going into these other markets, and uh, it was really started out led by one person, mm -hmm. um, it evolved into being both business development operations, and it became a little bit confusing as to like when handoffs were being made. And what I recognize as CEO is a lot of the inefficiencies in having these different organizations and all, you know, frankly, all lines leading up to me and mm -hmm. feeling the need to build better efficiency, to support the growth into the future, right? Mm -hmm. And to better align initiatives and, and objectives. And so we just got done with that. And in that effort, there was, you know, moving around of people's seniority, there was changes mm -hmm. in titles and, you know, just a lot of conversations. I think in total, we had 15 different title changes. Mm -hmm. um, and a number of different, you know, oh, you're no longer reporting to this person, but you're reporting to someone else. And mm -hmm. that person's a, a VP or that one's that person's a director. And so as you can imagine, um, it's a lot of work, especially from an empathetic pers perspective. Yeah, it's it's exactly hard. It's not yeah. as easy as it sounds, you know, especially yeah, but, um, for, for your old people to, to sort of, you know, uh, you convincing them that this is the way to. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, working through that successfully and getting into hiring some new senior hires that kind of slot in in between in some of these cases. Um, 
you know, going into the second half of the year with a full head of steam and, and ready to really, you know, scale and, and address the needs of the market. Um, you know, really proud, proud of that. Um, you know, other than that, I think something I could keep a little bit shorter is just foreseeing the needs of the companies from a capital perspective and, and building the network and the rep reputation and, and, um, you know, relationships with, with investors to ensure that we have the capital we need uh, when we need it. Um, and that's been, you know, an ongoing effort over the last four years, as you can imagine. And so, um, you know, now the company is getting to a point where we can really be in control of our destiny. You know, you, you talked about economies of scale and money helping. Um, and, you know, we have reached that scale where we have more levers to pull and we can be a lot more efficient with our business. So, the venture capital certainly helps, and we're really appreciative of all our investors. But it is my personal goal to not be relying on that for for too much longer. <laughs> ben, uh, do you have five more minutes? Sure. sure. All right. So I think let's do this one. I think this will bring a lot of value with you know uh, some real sort of questions, right? So a quick answer you can give uh, to this kind of question, like a situation I'll ask you. Uh, okay. So let's say you have uh, an old employee, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know that they've become a little complacent. You know, the entitlement is kicking in. Yeah. Uh, how do you communicate to that person with an honest truth, you know, that, hey, yeah. this is going on? How yeah. would you do it? Um, a, a few ways, right? And so one is the baseline of what the expectations are in the company. And we have often, you know, recommended books and really have kind of talked about them as management teams. And so one book that really stands out is Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Um, yep. This is a book that my entire management team has read. And really, it's about how to be direct from a place of love, right? So you're not being an asshole. You're not just constantly picking and pointing at people, but really be like, that person has an objective. You know, so-and-so wants to be a COO someday. Well, in order for them to be a COO, and in order for me to really fulfill my role as a CEO, like, I need to get that person there. And I need to give them all the chances and opportunities that they need to get there. And so if you're actually staying true to that, you're not going to let them get into a place of complacency. And the way we kind of force ha have a forcing mechanism uh, for that is a real dedication to our review process. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just some bureaucratic process we started. We actually started it when we were less than 10 people. And so mm -hmm. it means a lot in our company and we do it every quarter. So we have you know, it's not a huge effort every quarter. So like, even we, even the the right your second in charge has to go through that, for example. Yes, I go I go through it. I go. go through. Um, and we do three sixty manager reviews, and really, you know, it's all about an understanding that we are a team, and we all want the same goal. We all want to win, right? Hmm. And frankly, I mean, that's part of our culture. I guess we don't want right. anyone on this team that doesn't want to to win because. And it's not just about winning for winning's sake. You know, it goes back to that brand foundation. We truly believe that we can unlock the healing powers of the plant by creating access and making it um, approachable, you know, to the broader public. And so that's what our team fights for every day. And that's what we're truly trying to achieve and, and win at. And so mm -hmm. knowing that that's the goal and knowing that we're all bought into that, then we all need to help each other achieve it. And mm -hmm. the only way we do that is to do it together and to be honest and open with each other. So uh, a second question I wanted to ask was, let's say you you have this amazing performer and mm -hmm. you, you know, sort of you know that this, they are not with you for long, right? It's, it's yeah. just another year or two. 
Yeah. Uh, but how do you yourself, you know, still talk to them and you know it's temporary with that passion that, hey, let's talk about mission statement. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Because ultimately, it's very few people who, who have signed up with you, let's say, who want to write to the end, right? But still, how yeah. do you tell yourself that it's okay? You know, everyone still. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, I think that removing any of that anxiety that might exist is what maximizes your chances of keeping and retaining that person. The minute you fear you might lose them, a high performer will smell that and they'll see it as an opportunity, right? And so you have to actually truly believe that you're creating the best opportunity for them. And if you ever reach a point where you're not providing the best opportunity for them to grow, then you should want them to leave. You should want them to That's go achieve something point. great for themselves. And that is like, you know, that is the, the true mentality of all this. And so, true, agree. You know, and that's why you want to hire slow, frankly. That's why you want to make sure that the person you bring on the team is right for the team and that they're mm. going to be dedicated to the cause. You know, if if you showed me someone that is just a true A player on the sales, but he's going to be, he or she is going to be toxic to the culture of the company, it's a no immediately. And mm. so we're very much a culture first company. We make sure that people that we bring in are, are dedicated. And frankly, we haven't churned anyone of high performance. You know, and I know we're still young, relatively. We're only four years old, but you know, two to three years in the cannabis space is a really long time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so I think we'll just keep going with the confidence that you know people will be here as long as is mutually beneficial. And then if that time comes, then it's probably not right for both of us. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a good um, point. I think I think uh, seeing it from that lens absolutely makes sense. You know, it's it's like you know you why why are you not the best employer for that person right so makes sense yeah. one final one um you know on the on the current state of remote where you know we're juggling between you know uh, in-house workforce and remote workforce and then yeah you know as we discussed before the call a little bit of pros and cons uh i think it's it comes down to trust you know personally for me it's just purely you know doing the both the things there is no middle ground mm -hmm. now so you, you just find a self-motivator in remote team. Hopefully they work with that same passion. Yep. Otherwise you will let them go soon, right? If, if you just right. think that you have to lot of do babysitting and those kind of things. Uh, what What's your take on on uh, having them more involved? Like how do you, what, what, what do you guys do that remote people feel really inclined and then, you know, they're really committed to your vision? Yeah, um, you know, we've, as, as soon as we entered this, remote realm and we have kind of eased back into some sort of hybrid nature and and presume that that will be the constant like ebb and flow uh from here on out you know we we just kind of accepted that and we didn't allow ourselves to wait in-person interactions any greater than that of the the virtual interactions and so how do we continue to build this culture with everyone and really it's um it's an exercise in just equity equity and in inclusion right it's like thinking of it from that matter it's like what is the perspective of one of our remote employees and how do we make sure that they, they feel included? Um, so, you know, if we're having a company party, you know, for instance, like an in-person party, we're going to create an opportunity not only for them to participate in that in some virtual fashion, if not flying them out to be a part of it, you know, if they're truly not able to be there, um, but also giving them an opportunity to kind of have a little bit of culture, virtual culture of their own, right? It's like, okay, so we can, you know, create a space for, for virtual employees, but we can also allow them to, um, 
you know, gather amongst themselves and create their own, you know, their own culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another aspect of that is, frankly, investing in in bringing them in person if, if that mm-hmm. is of, of their desire. You know, some people like that more than others. Some people are just truly effective and happy being remote. Um, mm-hmm. And so understanding that everyone, again, has their own personality, their own drivers, and really understanding that you don't need to, it's not about catering to two different parties. It's about understanding each employee as an individual and, and addressing their needs. And that oftentimes sounds unscalable, um, but with the right culture and the right tools, I, I think it is very much achievable and kind of frankly, our responsibility as leaders, right? Um, but I'm not, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's, it's not easy. Um, you yeah. know, it, 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 it's certainly not something that I have all the answers to, but understanding that we will never have all the answers and just paying attention to it and giving resources to it is important. Anything that you're saving on a reduction in office space, funnel that to ensuring that your virtual employees are feeling feeling taken care of and feeling a part of the fold, right? Yeah. Um, you know, to that end, you know, our, our all, weekly all hands, you know, we could very well hold that in person. Most of our executive team here is in the Bay Area. We do it all virtual. So it's a, kind of like a, a virtual first or default virtual um, kind of uh, strategy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sounds good, Ben. Anything else you have for me? No, that's it. This is great, man. I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week and, and seeing you and, and everyone at the Cannabis Drinks Expo um, and talking a little bit more about the products. But, you know, my, my true passion is really in helping people, helping people achieve their dreams, whether it's through their, you know, through their companies and products or our employees. And so really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. I don't, I don't get to do it that often. Great. No, I think it was it was a good uh, chat. I think I'm sure I learned, you know, people will, there are some good pointers there. Appreciate Ben. I think I will see you soon then. Thanks so much, Seth. I'll talk to you soon.